Welcome to the Launch Place podcast, where we discuss how entrepreneurs can raise capital, find support, and launch their business. I'm Tom Snyder. Today, we're going to be talking about how early stage startup companies can leverage contests, small grants, all the little building blocks and tools in entrepreneurial support networks that can help their companies to launch and to grow. Please welcome our special guest, Andrew Prince from Lyra Global. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. On this show, we like to hear from folks that are related in some way in this entrepreneurial ecosystem and have had, you know, investors, we've had startup founders, we've had, uh, you know, government supporters, other kinds of folks on the program. Uh, You come specifically from the startup realm. Give us a little bit of background about, about who you are and what made you decide to start a company. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, my name is Andrew Prince. Um, I wear a couple different hats. Uh, my two main hats are I'm a sort of surgeon by day and a CEO kind of co-founder all the time. Um, my training is what brought me to North Carolina, and I'm in a head and neck surgery, ear, nose, and throat residency program, year five of seven. Um, and through my time here, um, I became, of course, more intimately um, knowing of ENT problems and One of those problems that stood out to me is we often have to take care of individuals that have the life threatening breathing conditions and and those types of treatments require that we make a intervention that often precludes voice, whether it be for a short term, like placement of a tracheostomy or even long term where we're taking out voice boxes, the larynx, um, often for cancer, which is unfortunately abundant on the tobacco belt of which North Carolina sits. Um, But it's a devastating um, physiologic change, not being able to communicate to others around you um, and something that I'm constantly witnessing in the patients we take care of. Um, And so through my time here, I came to the realization that something needed to be done. And and that's what we're doing at Lyra. So at Lyra, we're developing video to speech technology um, designed with the first sort of product to be a lip reading tool, something that's as easily downloaded and easy to use. for anybody can be put on an um, sort of smartphone, Apple, Android type device. And using the video camera to capture the individual attempting speech, uh, we're able to produce the words that their voice box isn't actually able to make into sound. Um, So we look to restore communication from the moment voice is lost um, and and try and help these individuals overcome their sort of social withdrawal or this sort of barrier that sits between them and, and reconnecting with humanity. Fantastic vision, fantastic mission, of course. Uh, it's more than just the social piece, though, as I understand, right? Sometimes that communication is critical, even in the moment of care, right? In, in speaking with folks like yourself who are um, you know, actively working them through whatever health situation they have. Yeah, of course. I mean, the sort of most devastating um, finding we've, we've come to learn is people that are unable to speak up for themselves have a three-time higher rate of adverse events. And you can imagine anything between like not being able to articulate, you have an allergy to a particular medication, or perhaps like you've been sitting in your bed, you're burdened because you can't speak and it's too much to try and write everything down or place your raids, but you had some chest pain and that chest pain just starts to gnaw and it gnaws and it gnaws. And then suddenly like you have EKG changes. And then we're realizing that you're having a sort of heart attack type picture. 
perhaps with like earlier communication, we can reduce that that time to intervention as well as improve how patients connect. We we have definitely knowledge that people withdraw and withdrawal of an individual socially definitely means that they're not as engaged in their care. They're not trying to take care of themselves in the same sort of magnitude that somebody that is highly engaged in their care is. And that definitively has some poor health outcomes, increased rates of morbidities um, during the recovery and even increased rates of return to the hospital, um, which are things that we ideally don't want patients to be doing. Now, walk us through a little bit of the the founder journey here. You are a trained uh, surgeon and physician. You have kind of an expertise in that professional realm. You understand deeply the market need. Uh, I'm correct. I believe that this is this is your first startup, right? Yeah, exactly. It is my first startup and completely a first in all fields innovation. Um, the way it sort of turned out is um, when, so I guess backing up to 2019, September of 2019, I enrolled in a night course that UNC was sponsoring through Innovate Carolina. Um, and the idea of the night course was adapting lean methodology developed out of Toyota, you know, how to make Toyotas faster, more efficiently. Um, but how could you put a spin on it and um, bring it into healthcare so that healthcare problems could similarly be solved more efficiently and effectively and just get solutions to patients. Um, and so I did this night course. Um, it was a six month experiential learning program. And within the first two nights, uh, we self-selected into a small groups and tackled a problem. And this was, uh, for me, fortuitously, the problem that our group, um, our group selected and adopted and something near and dear to my heart. And Really, it was the combination efforts of the five of us. So I have four other co-founders that all came out of UNC. Two of them are PhDs. One's an MBA and um, another fourth or fifth co-founder, rather, is an MD, MPH. Um, and so together we put this um, project, you know, to paper for the, the first six months. And then from there, really just kept driving after the, the program ended. We continued um, working together relentlessly, applying for all sorts of grants and competitions. And um, I mean, the grants and competitions include like the big launch, the AR challenge that we did with Riot. And it was each of these experiences where we were constantly getting pushed by the questions we were getting asked, the judges' comments, where we were forced to iterate out this effectively, this idea that came out of our head um, and build it into what it is now. And, it, and it's just been a total creation, just building something from effectively nothing and just seeing it come together one day at a time and solving the little problems as they, they pop up. Talk a little bit about the launch place. I, I remember I was in the room actually, when you, when you pitched at big launch challenge, uh, it, it was pretty early days for you. Um, certainly, you know, winning that competition, uh, I'm certain was impactful for the check that came with it, but, but there's a lot more to, to that relationship, right? Perfect. So, um, Going back to how the big launch kind of fit into our trajectory, you know, certainly um, the funding made a huge difference, like being one of our early funds, they were able to kind of fit together like Lego box with other, you know, really fortunate wins that we had. And, and together we were able to put together some early technical help and guidance that got the sort of prototype off the ground and demonstrated one, what our idea um, is, was functionally possible. And then continue to help us really network with individuals, both within the big launch community, but as well as 
think about how we needed to reach out in our own networks and tap into other resources, really primarily based on the questions we were getting asked and really discovering where our deficiencies and knowledge remained. Great. So you've had a lot of success on this contest circuit, as you said, you know, one, one big launch challenge that created a springboard. You then won the, the augmented reality challenge that, that, that Riot hosted in conjunction with the city of Raleigh and town of Cary and other partners. What, what advice would you give to that aspiring entrepreneur that might be in the same shoes you were in there thinking about, you know, applying to the contest, you know, the first step is even to get accepted into the contest, but then, you know, uh, what's the the magic for for this? I I honestly think it's just a relentless stamina. I mean, in the first, I don't know, 20, 18 to 20 months, we submitted well over a hundred plus applications um, for numerous challenges. And certainly the no's outweigh the yeses, but it's nothing you can dwell on. And it's nothing that you can just like decide to, to quit with. Um, you know, we strive for those wins and those wins feel incredible. But, you know, we use those no's as learning opportunities as much as we use the yeses. And um, we were able to, to use each of those experiences to just further guide how we thought about what we were doing, what we needed to learn and how we presented ourselves. I think for any up and coming entrepreneur, if you have a great idea, then by definition, it's definitively novel. And it's something that it's hard to express to other individuals in a conceptualized or rather a concrete um, but concise way. Um, And I think it's that process of relentlessly getting thoughts out and getting feedback on them, even if the feedback is no, sorry, this time you're not in for the next running. Each one is an incredible opportunity to learn from and grow from. Um, and it's really with that experience that we were able to, as you said, catapult ourselves towards ultimately getting an SBIR. And that's been our latest biggest inflection point. But sitting down and thinking, how the hell would we write an SBIR without all of this sort of background information, our background, like thought process and towards tackling this problem, it would have been effectively impossible. It, it, it's incredible, too, because. For those not familiar with SBIRs, those are government grants uh, or non-dilutive funding. And many of these contests are also non-dilutive funding. So this is things that uh, is helping to build out the product as you've described, even if it's incremental pieces. Uh, but uh, but eventually things like SBIRs are, are, are very large chunks that can uh, move your company forward before you're having to bring on owners and equity partners and other kinds of things. And so it really helps you to, to get much further along on that market validation and that problem solution fit. Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating about how you uh, leverage or how I perceive you leverage these wins is not just from the money, but the network effect of everyone that you can meet. And tell the audience a little bit about the strategy you took in crowdsourcing the, uh, the audio that you needed to perfect your, uh, your lip reading techniques. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, definitely to put it in a little context, you know, what we're doing is machine learning based and machine learning requires training data. And it's very much like the more pure and the more well um, coded the training data is just the better outcome you, you get. Um, and so for us, what we needed was a bunch of examples of individuals um, reading or speaking rather um, things that we prescribe. So words and statements and 
these are all largely reflective of what patients need to stay in their early recovery days. And so um, one of the biggest sort of crowdsourcing things that we've tapped our network for is to get that data. And so um, we built a website. Um, of course, this is multiple iterations after the first idea of how we needed to get data and, and just using each one of those progressive steps forward to learn how to get data more effectively and, and cleanly. Um, but we have a website that exists at www.liraglobal.com forward slash liptrain, L-I-P-T-R-A-I-N. Um, and there, volunteers from anywhere at any time can log on using their smart device or their webcam-enabled computer and read sentences for us. It's, it takes minutes, um, and, and it provides truly robust and valuable data for us. And so... Through these competitions, we've always kind of shown a QR code and we always get a surge in web traffic. Um, we've slowly built out the, the platform so that it facilitated sharing on social media sites, um, which has also been a for, sort of feed forward mechanism. Um, but even now, we, we've tapped back into the network, you know, maintaining like an email database and reach back out saying like, look, like we're using the data you provided, like here's some of the outcomes that we've got, here's what we're building, but we still need more. Like, can you please help us? And that's been a really neat learning opportunity, not just for the technology in of itself, but again, like we're all first time founders and there's a whole lot of first time founding entrepreneurial problems that are just concepts until they're not. And one of those is certainly marketing and, and advertising. And this has been an educational experience towards those two fields of marketing and advertising so that when we do have our product ready and we are ready to disseminate it, there's very much translatable learnings that we can apply and, and, and just kind of get us a, a leap forward with. It's really fascinating. And, and it's a, a, you are an example of what I've seen time and time again in the companies that LaunchPlace works with, which is a company that has got a great kind of new idea to solve a really big, important problem. Uh, and there just aren't that many organizations that, that are willing to, to actually put their money uh, kind of where their mouth is in terms of saying, you know what, we're going to provide some funding uh, here. We're going to you know, try and move it along, see, see, see where it goes. Um, you've now entered you know, a new level with this SBIR. What's that going to do for you? Do you have any, any plans for how you're going to use that funding? Yeah, our, um, our switch now is to do more backend development. Really, um, we're functioning at a, a prototype demo model that's state of the art in the sense that we're able to accurately predict um, a closed set of healthcare related sentences um, with variable length, which is something that's never been done before. Um, so what I mean is obviously sometimes you need to say short things like no and yes. Other times you're saying more complex things like where's my doctor? Um, there's definitely differences in the duration of translation there. So cracking that problem, demonstrating that we can accurately provide predictions have been huge leap forwards from a technical bounds, but um, effectively for a user, it requires them to, for the best prediction, state each one of those words or rather mouth each of those words in that exact syntax, uh, which obviously has limitations, particularly when you're waking up after surgery and you have things like anesthesia on board. So our next step is how can we make the technology where it's more plug and play in the sense that you can use words within a certain corpus and, and we use, we're looking towards a basic English and a healthcare centric um, vocabulary and, and plug them in 
naturally. So it doesn't matter the exact order of words, rather it's the, the, the exact vocabulary that we're able to translate. And for us, we see that dramatically in improving our accessibility to the technology. And so that's been our main focus for the last two months and something that we see kind of continuing for the next four as we burn through our SBIR. Um, certainly the story won't be over. I think there's a lot more we can do to advance the technology, even as we look to bring the video to speech technology outside of medicine or beyond the hospital walls. Um, but that's our main focus with this current SBR. We have aspirations to submit another this coming January to the NIH, thinking more about how can we optimize it specifically for a healthcare setting. Um, then, of course, we will look to do a phase two SBIR renewal for our NSF phase one that we have now, um, furthering the sort of back end capabilities and just making it so that it's any word in any language. I think that's the, the holy grail of this type of technology. And, you know, there's just multiple um, multiple checkpoints that we'll look to get to before we get to that final spot. Um, but the dream is, you know, how can I take somebody's voice box out and how can we make it so that the head and neck cancer is something now, you know, quote unquote in the bucket and they're on their path to recovery, but we're able to completely relieve the anxieties associated with not speaking. You know, we keep talking about this in hospital kind of care and, and this early focus, but it's as much as like having a sense of independence and being able to go to the grocery store and asking where some like esoteric thing in the grocery store is. It's just, it can't be done now. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, it's definitely something that our patients struggle with and, and they'll even tell us that um, people, you know, lay people think that they have special needs and they can't cognate at the same level just because they can't speak. And that's certainly not the case at all. Um, so that's our goal. It's fantastic. Uh, you've written a few chapters of, of this book or this solution. I really look forward to having you back on the launch pad, launch place, excuse me, podcast again sometime soon. Uh, as we kind of wrap up the discussion today, what advice would you give right now to uh, that that founder that's kind of following in your footsteps and thinking, how do I reach out? to you know, uh, potential partners or sport organizations you know, like the launch place as an example? Yeah, I think um, it just requires a level of tenacity. You just can't quit. Every day is an opportunity to beat on it a little bit more and push the ball a little bit more further. Um, and at least for me, I can't get let down. Like there are certainly days that aren't as productive as the last, but that's okay. It's just the relentlessness and when it's three years down the road, like kind of where we're sitting now, you do a lot of work and, and that's huge. And the other component that I certainly can't not speak about is, is building the team and having others around you that think differently, that have different um, skills and experiences and strengths, but nevertheless share in the same mission as, as the entrepreneurial founder. And it's totally a team effort um, that gets the job done and it's effectively building a family and, and building a sort of lifestyle culture around the problem and only together can it really be done. Great advice. Thanks again for, for being with us. Uh, it's Andrew Prince with Lyra Global. Uh, do you mind sharing how folks can reach out if they want to get engaged? 
Of course. Yeah. We would love anybody to reach out to us. We're on um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Um, our web address is www.liraglobal.com. Of course, you can participate in our data collection campaign, which we would genuinely love for everybody to do. That's at www.liraglobal.com forward slash lip train. Um, and the last thing I'll add is um, we are in a process of growing and part of our growth is looking for more hires and we're in need of trying to find an additional in-house um, 20 hour plus week um, individual that has machine learning, natural language processing kind of background that would be able to help uh, alongside our current technical team iterate on our back end. And so if there's any interest at all, please reach out. I'm also on LinkedIn um, and available through the chat functions. Um, and then my email address is andrew.prince at liraglobal.com. And uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody. That, that uh, for anyone listening, that should give you plenty of ways to get engaged, uh, to connect. Uh, thanks again, Andrew. For anyone who's interested in connecting through the launch place, I'll give one more way that uh, I'm sure they can forward and, and connect as well. You can find them at thelaunchplace.org. I hope that everyone will come out and support and participate this year's big launch challenge. Uh, it's going to be held on November 17th. You can find more information again at thelaunchplace.org. And uh, until next time, thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.